Today, what I wanted to talk about is Robin Hood's versus the state, as it's different from the realm. And I'm going to tell you first the story of Robin Hood. Then what I'll do is sort of analyse that story. And everyone, don't forget to subscribe and comment on the YouTube. Comment and like, because that lifts us up in the algorithm and helps other people access this content. Much appreciated. In a jest of Robin Hood, which is the sort of longest of these ballads, we see the main plot of the sheriff versus Robin. And so when we begin, the sheriff is already, Robin is already existing, and the sheriff is looking for him. Robin Hood tells Little John to go to Nottingham, where the sheriff's put on this contest, right? He goes with the knight, and Little John dominates, wins the whole tournament, and the sheriff takes, brings him into his service. And the sheriff goes away to go do something, probably going after to look for Robin Hood, and Little John wants to eat when the sheriff is gone, and the cook stops him. And Little John says, what are you doing? I'm just go, I need to eat. It's time for breakfast and whatnot. And the cook says, he says, oh no, the sheriff, my lord sheriff says, no one eats when, when he's not here. And he stops him, doesn't get out of the kitchens, little John. So little John thinks this is rather, this is rather tyrannical behaviour for the sheriff. And says, well, I, I'm going to eat and you're not going to stop me. And so he take, draws his sword and you know, said, I'll, and beats, basically beats him up. It was a great fight, though. It's a robust fight. Defeats the cook, eats, and says, Ah, actually, cook, you're rather a you know, robust chap. You should join us in the Merry Men as outlaws. And so the cook says, OK, I, I will join you. After that, the sheriff returns, and little John spins him a story, tells him a story that, Oh, I, found, I know where Robin Hood is, my lord sheriff. If you'd but allow me to take you to him, we'll find him. He, I saw him slaying the king's deer in... Sherwood Forest. And the sheriff, of course, Robin Hood, you know where he is. I've been looking for this chap for a long time. Yes, please take me to him. The sheriff, of course, uh, disguises himself as an abbot. And he goes with Little John. Little John has a pseudonym as well. It's, uh, it's uh, Raymond Greenleaf. <laughs> and so that's what the sheriff addresses him as. Anyway, they go off towards Sherwood Forest, takes him in there, into the dark, into the sort of into the greenwood and then suddenly they hear this, this horn in the distance and swing in Robin Hood and his merry man <laughs> and uh, suddenly the sheriff is taking on a as he's surrounded by Robin he turns to little John and says ah Raymond Greenleaf you have betrayed me I see and he says ah well God is my witness God is my moral guide is that you were an unjust tyrant to me by not letting us eat. This is fair justice for how you act. Robin says to his men, tells Little John to strip down and dress in the Lincoln Green again. And he offers the same to the sheriff to wear the Lincoln Green. And the sheriff says, no, and he's just in his loincloths, right? Because they're going to sleep for the night. The sheriff says, will you release me? And Robin Hood says, no, you will dwell here for 12 months with us. With our order, he says, our order. It's like a monkly order, which is quite interesting, like a brotherhood of this Greenwood, a brotherhood of Greenwood. You will dwell with our order, and I will teach you to be an outlaw, right? Teach you our ways, like indoctrinate you into our ways. And the sheriff says, I'd rather have my head chopped off. And if you did chop it off, I, you would be a friend and it would be a holy thing. And I wouldn't blame it. I'd forgive you for it. Please do it, basically, he says. Robin says, oh, well, that's a bit extreme. And the sheriff says, I can't suffer this. And Robin says, OK, well, if you swear me an oath that you won't hunt or harm any of my merry men or me, swear it on the Christ's cross and on the Virgin Mary, 
if you make us friend, and I'll, then I'll release you. So the sheriff says, oh, yes, Robin, of course I'll, I'll do so. And so the sheriff goes back to Nottingham, unharassed, founds an archery competition and invites everyone to come, including Robin Hood or whatnot. So Robin Hood goes, oh, okay, so this guy's on you, sworn not to hunt us. And so he goes there to compete in this, as he often does, Robin Hood, to compete in the archery competition with all the merry men. And when he gets there, the sheriff springs the trap and, tr- and tries to capture Robin Hood. And Robin Hood is able to escape, and he survives because he's able to hide with Richard of the Lee, the lord I talked about when I talked about the story, in his keep. So he's saved by Richard of the Lee. And then with Richard of the Lee's hunting, the sheriff's able to capture him and put him in prison. His wife goes to Robin Hood, begging, can you like, help our husband? Robin immediately, because they've struck up a friendship, says, yes, of course, organizes this raid on Nottingham, breaks out and saves the Lord, Richard of the Lee. In the process, the sheriff desperately trying to recapture him, he shoots and kills the sheriff with his arrow and escapes back to the Greenwood. And so the story completes there with the sheriff defeated and killed. And the king then comes, right? And that sort of represents the state is defeated by Robin Hood. Then the king, the realm comes. But long story short, they become allies and he enters the king's service once he finds out what these chaps are all about. What's so interesting is that where the sheriff refused to wear the green, the Lincoln green, the king dons the Lincoln green when he leaves, right, when they've sort of mutually recognised their Englishness and the nobility, and approaches Nottingham with all the merry men, and then all the citizens start to go to flee, and the king reveals himself, I'm the king, there's nothing to fear, right? And so that's him sort of lifting up the Lincoln Green and all that all of the Merry Man saying they were just, right, and everything they did was just, like I've talked about before. When people say Robin Hood is a libertarian or Robin Hood is an anarchist or a communist, that's so wrong. Everything Robin Hood does is in service of the realm. Which is below the realm is below the iceberg of proposition, our patterns of behaviour, our spirit, our geist. Both Robin Hood and the King and the Lord all represent a piece of that and once it's mutually recognized, they ally and help each other. Robin Hood says that he loves no man more than he loves the king. No man more than he loves England is the way to think about the crown as England. And also his sustenance is England too, because it's the king's dear, the king's sustenance. And the arbitrary law that is the state that says don't eat the deer. That's in law, that's a proposition, right, can become tyrannical or is wrong. And you need to be able to adjust that based on the realm. So at his very core, Robin Hood is a man of the realm. He's reincorporated into the realm. He loves the king and loves England. He's not outside of it. He's not a singular unit of anarchy. Nor is he giving from rich to poor. He's taking from a tyrannical authority. He coerces people himself towards fairness amongst people that are there and the local when the sheriff acts as he does as the state he separates himself from the realm and makes himself an unjust part of it therefore not of it and therefore something that's called an outlaw actually is an in-law a moral law so you've got a cell the cell is the moral law that covers the whole of the realm right within that there's a propositional circle where the sheriff lies that's that part can be broken if the moral law of the realm that is in our implicit and our narrative and normative order you make a decision yourself about what is wrong with the state like kipling says we made the state from out our normative and narrative order we made it the realm existed long before the state did 
I'll read this verse by Kipling. Through learned and laborious years they set themselves to find fresh terrors and undreamed of fears to heap upon mankind. All that they drew from heaven above or digged from earth beneath, they laid into their treasure trove and arsenals of death, while for well-weighed advantage's sake, ruler and ruled alike, build up the faith they meant to break when the fit hour should strike. They traded with the careless earth and good return it grave. They plotted by their neighbour's hearth the means to make him slave. When all was ready to the hand, they loosened their hidden sword and utterly laid to waste a land. Their oath was pledged to God. Coldly they went about to raise, to life and make more dread, abominations of old days that men believed were dead. They paid the price to reach the goal across a world in flame, but their own hate slew their own soul before the victory came. And that's the truth, right? Is that I would say a revolutionary anarchist, or at least a Marxist communist, if they slay their own culture, they slay their own realm in doing so, and therefore that is why Robin Hood is not that at all. With all the wolves being killed, right, the Greenwood becomes a place of, uh, of solace, like I've talked about before. Because of the Black Plague, there was a, a massive shortage of labour. The yeoman could leave a farm, go into the Greenwood, poach, king's deer, eat off that for a while, find another farm, get employment, and they wouldn't ask questions. He wasn't desperate for their coin because they needed him more than, than he needed them. And so you, this more idea of cons this emergence of consent comes from that. But also being outside the social contract and the pressure of owing something to the Lord, these yeomen making their own decisions about the morality of it. And that's sort of connected there with that moral unit. The Greenwood becomes a place within the cell, within the moral law, let's say. So you can break the state law using your moral law and you're still within the realm. So it's not an anarchist separate from the realm or moral law or anything. No, he's connected deeply to his tradition. In fact, so connected to it that he goes, this is wrong for England. The Greenwood is a second, the Englishman's second home away from home. Outside the castle is another home where you, you make your moral decisions based on your connection to the realm, which is not part of the state. Robin Hood is returning the kingdom to its continuity. The return of Richard in the Robin Hood stories. That's the idea. It's the return of the king. It's the return of the king to, just like in Tolkien's Return of the King, to the order of native authority, the, the right way of behaving. Because it began as Edward, right, in the very early ballad and becomes Richard because that's more closer to what the ethic is. It's the returning of the king, the returning of the realm to its proper state. And the sheriff writes in all the ballads, he's always called the Sheriff of Nottingham. He has no personal name and all his actions are linked to that place. He's this ubiquitous state force, right? He never leaves, only when he's tricked does he leave the walled city. Robin Hood, though, is on different forests. He goes, he's in Barnsdale, he's in Nottingham, he's in all these other places, so it's sort of like he's everywhere. Because you put the king above the state, and you have Robin Hood connected to that archetype, the position of the sword and the sword of Damocles above Damocles' head actually transforms into a crown, because the king is in service of the realm, the crown, so is Robin Hood in service of that. It's always above both of them. So it transcends the sword of Damocles because that becomes who they're serving, not just themselves as the dictator, having ultimate authority but not ultimate power. The top can actually become then the ally of the bottom and the champion of the bottom that they both look to 
to inform their behavior. And so Robin Hood is like the king in the same way, is that he, he he's communing with that spirit of the place, that geist, mind spirit, and goes and reforms the sheriff, tries to teach the sheriff, and when the sheriff doesn't do it, he ends up killing the sheriff, right? That shows that the realm reforms, is supposed to reform the state. The state and the papacy in this tradition becomes unrealm. They become not the realm because they're tyrants. Robin Hood in this tradition doesn't ally with the French. He doesn't want a revolution. He's simply returning the moral continuity, bringing England back to what England is supposed to be because it's been upset by cronies. An ideal can never be reached. It's imperfect. That's why the cycle needs to be built into it. That's why Robin Hood fires his arrow where he's supposed to be buried in the Greenwoods. Why he leaves the King's service. Why the Robin Hood must always strive, always be there. For the realm, though. Not for himself. And also, within Robin's action against the state, you have a clear imitation of King Arthur in reforming the internal inside the England's moral cell. What King Arthur does to Rome. The thing that is tyrannical from outside is inside with the papacy. You could call it the internalization of the king's spirit into every man. It's Robin, what he does in allying with the Lord in eventually bringing the king in, that shows him de-authorizing the sheriff by making fun of them, it reveals the truth about their corruptness and steals the authority. And the king generates authority right from the sacred symbols from the history that's what authority is it's sort of faith in an old thing established in an old precedent that's worked it's not power it's different it's separated from it that shows him de-authorizing stealing the authority of the sheriff and the papacy in the eyes of the people and in the eyes of the king and by doing that across the whole tale it's revealed the truth about who these people really are and that they are not of the realm and actually robin is it's a complicated archetype and pathway to stop this sort of thing happening and that's part of the lesson of this whole thing archetypally is that you can if you see robins that are disapproved by institutions like the bbc and corrupt people in westminster whatever corrupt media that you know have become corrupt enough people are red pill to know that when you see that figure think maybe that might be wrong maybe that's robin hood we need to make these people, these states, conform to the archetype. When Prince Charles, the wanker, when he becomes king, we need to force him to conform with pressure to the king archetype, the warrior king, which I'll talk about in a different video. And Elizabeth, we should have forced too, to be in continuity with it, not to be a cosmopolitan internationalist. No, you're an English king. Here's another verse of Kipling as well. The tree. Of all the trees that grow so far, old England to adorn, Greater are none beneath the sun than oak and ash and thorn. Sing oak and ash and thorn, good sirs, all of midsummer morn. Surely we sing no thing, little thing, in oak and ash and thorn. Oak of the clay lived many a day, or ever Aeneas began. Ash of the loam was a lady at home, when Brute was an outlaw man. And I'll just stop there quickly, Aeneas, that, that's who Geoffrey of Monmouth states we descend from and Brute when he was an outlaw man because he kills his father. He kills Rome, you see, in the myth and becomes the founder of London and the founder of Britain. So he's saying that's in the tree, in the land. But anyway, I'll go on. Thorn of the Down saw new Troy town from which was London born. Witness hereby the ancientry of oak and ash and thorn. You that is old in churchyard mould he breedeth a mighty bow. 
older for shoes do wise men choose, and beech for cups also. But when ye have killed, and your bowl is spilled, and your shoes are clean outworn, back ye must speed for all that ye need to oak and ash and thorn. Elum she hated mankind and waiteth till every gust be laid, to drop a limb on the head of him that anyways trusts her shade. But whether a lad be sober or sad, or mellow with ale from the horn, he will take no wrong when he lieth along, neath oak and ash and thorn. O oh, do not tell the priest our plight, or he would call it a sin, but we have been out in the woods all night, a conjuring summer in, and we bring you news by word of mouth, good news for cattle and corn. Now is the sun come up from the south, with oak and ash and thorn. Sing oak and ash and thorn, good sirs, all of a midsummer morn. England shall bide till judgment time, by oak and ash and thorn. He's talking about what we're talking about, Kipling, here as well. It's in the greenwood. Because it says yew, the yew tree, is what bows are made out of, the English longbows made out of the yew. Major oak is the tree that Robin Hood is still alive in Sherwood Forest, is said to have uh, uh, laid under and where, um, their meeting tree and the ash and the thorn. So really this is a tribute to the greenwood. He's talking about the greenwood, where it comes from and linking the oak tree to Aeneas, as I've talked about before, the native authority. Oak of the clay lived many a day, or ever Aeneas began. And Ash of the Lone was a lady at home, and Brute was an outlaw man. It was here before they even came. It represents that authority, witnessed here by the ancientry. How old it is, and it will endure. The greenwood endures. And it's a, do not tell the priest priest is Catholic, Catholic priest. It's aside from that, it's our own, of our own church. He would call it a sin to not be loyal to the Pope, right? So the green word is where it's all born, the green word, the eternalization of the king spirit, as it's seen in how Henry VIII acted when he split from the church by the people in the yeoman, how he was inspired too by Arthur and his tales against the Imperium that would try be tyrant to our people in our land away from their moral order. And so that's all I have to say today. I would just say to dare greatly to believe in your greenwood, dare greatly to believe in your oak and your yew tree and forge your own destiny with your own king spirit within. God save the king.